eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, a, a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. Bye, Giants fans. It's Sean Morash. Down the, down, the, down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step, step, step with your host, Sean Morash. One giant step is upon us, and the Giants are going to need to take one giant step if they have any prayer of beating the 49ers. It's a short turnaround game week here on One Giant Step, a Wednesday taping with a Thursday night game ahead of us. The Giants' first actual Amazon Thursday night game. Remember last year they played at Thanksgiving, so we get the Herb Street Michaels experience watching at home. I'm Sean Moore as your host, joined by guest Pat Leonard, New York Daily News, Talking Ball Podcast. Pat, hello. Happy short game week. Sean, Sean, good to see you, man. Good to see you after a win because – through six quarters, this looked like the worst team in the NFL. Fortunately, oh. it doesn't look like they're that, but uh, that was that was pretty pretty <laughs> doomsday at halftime there. Yeah, not going to lie to you, Pat. I was um, – call me a fraud or you want. I was throwing in the white towel on the season at halftime. Thought, I mean, if you can't compete with the Arizona Cardinals, how could you? Uh, I wanted to be wrong. Thankfully, I was. And I had uh, quite the experience, as many Giant fans did, in watching Daniel Jones just finally realize you have to throw the ball deep change things with that Jalen Hyatt throw to start the second half um, and just an absolute gutsy thrilling win I mean I'm watching with my father who's 62 my neighbor Dave is 62 um, and to think that we as Giant fans are watching that they've never even seen in their lifetime a comeback of 21 points the last of which happened in 1949 is is pretty incredible so yeah it's the Cardinals they stink but I'm not going to throw cold water a comeback is still a comeback and that takes guts and the Giants doing that by the way with Josh Azudu at left tackle Marcus McKeithen at right guard was still something special now it doesn't erase what happened in the first half but I did want to quickly touch on you know kind of the art of that comeback Pat um a lot has been made about the play calling uh, and kind of the wink, wink, what has happened here with <laughs> Kafka and with Dable. Uh, I do. I believe Kafka was literally the one feeding the plays to Daniel Jones. Sure. But something changed there where Brian Dable was even more heavily involved than usual in telling Kafka what needed to happen. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, completely agree. In fact, I didn't know until about an hour after the game that people on Twitter were no- and people watching on TV were noticing it, too. Oh, yeah. But I, I spent the entire second half in the stadium with my binoculars on Brian Dable practically 
because live he was as animated with the play sheet as I've ever seen him. And he says, Oh, I always have the play sheet on him. Yeah. He has it with him, but he's not looking at it and reading out plays to somebody in the headset all the time and covering his mouth with it and marching up and down the field. Not to mention that the giants offense suddenly started to look like the Buffalo bills with Josh Allen (laughs) out of nowhere. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. And frankly, I think Daniel Jones, it's, it was a smart and coy way of answering the question, right? Like who gives you the play calls? And he says, well, I always get them from Kafka. So he's not saying that Kafka was calling the plays. He's just saying he was telling him the plays, Um, you know, not to say Mike wouldn't be able to handle it, but we're just going on what we saw. Right. And what I saw is Brian Dable with his season on the line, you know, taking a little bit more control. Yeah, and and that's exactly it. I don't think that this has to be some kind of controversy or it's an indictment that suddenly Mike Kafka can't call plays and he's the reason the Giants were stifling. Brian Dable was a head coach, and as a head coach, when things are sinking, you need to take total control of the ship to make sure it doesn't sink. And if that's what he did, that's fine. That's He's got an offensive mind. It's not like a defensive-minded head coach that went in there and they collaborated, and that's totally fine. But here is the real question. The offensive line is obviously going against a much weaker pass rush. I mean, the, the go from the Cowboys to go, you know, against the Arizona Cardinals. So while you have to give Azudu and even McKeithen thrown in there, which felt like from a fan's point of view, seemingly out of nowhere, and even Evan Neal, who took a couple bad penalties, we understand that that's going to be the worst pass rush they see. Can the Giants operate an offense like that versus any other defensive front in the Arizona Cardinals with what they have up front of the offensive line? I think that's the biggest tease right now, Pat. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I uh, I think until they prove they can, the answer is they can't. And I really, I think that's only fair, especially because of how poorly they handled Dallas, and right. because their schedule presents a lot of the top pass rushes and past and top teams in the league. So, you know, Arizona is, like you said, is the worst team in pass rush they are going to face, and so you're not. taking away credit at all from them getting the victory and keeping Daniel Jones clean. But you and I both know, Sean, the other reason the offense looked so good in the second half was Daniel had all day yeah, and he's just not going to have all day. And he is a good enough quarterback and a high level quarterback enough where if you give him, if he knows he has three and a half seconds to throw the ball, he will complete the pass, you know? Yeah. Um, he will look like a guy who is shredding a defense back there. He will have 325 yards, two to three touchdowns, 50 yards rushing. We saw it in Minnesota. We saw it in this game against the Cardinals. But 
Now, I think two th- two reasons why it's going to be tough for the offensive line. One, they haven't been able to play as a unit of five yet due to injuries, due to rotations at guard and camp. I don't think they've had any consistency. Um, you know, and two, I think it, without Andrew Thomas being the anchor, Josh Azudu, yes, one good game at left tackle against the Arizona Cardinals, but then are you going to need him at, you know, guard against San Francisco because Ben Bredesen's out? And then right. is he switching back and forth or is he your swing tackle and you're not playing him, even though you feel like he's your sixth lineman? There's just a lot of a uh, lot of moving parts too many, in my opinion. Uh, and on that note, real quickly, the Marcus McKeithen thing, obviously lost his rookie year, getting hurt at FanFest last year on the MetLife turf, came along yeah. really slowly at camp. Um, I obviously when you were talking about rotations, he wasn't even really in that guard rotation that was reported on all through training camp. Here we are in week two and he's given the challenge of starting at right guard as Glowinski got benched before he had to come back in. I mean, do you think the giants envision Marcus McKeithen as their starting right guard here moving forward? Well, I think certainly because Mark Glowinski, uh, had the camp and the week one that he did, even though he stepped in mid game in Arizona at left guard for Ben Bredesen. I think that Joe Shane and Brian Dable, their ideal scenario, Sean, is for their draft picks and their young players to grab these jobs. I think ideally their their lineup has Ben Bredesen at one guard and then the other guard ends up being Josh Azudu. You know, that's what they wanted camp to right. be. They wanted that to turn into uh, their third round pick becoming that player. If it becomes McKeithen instead and Azudu's your swing tackle, then I think that would make the Giants still feel glad and comfortable about the fact that two of their younger players are moving up enough that they can grab these jobs and hold them. But no, I don't think it's McKeithen right now. I think it's more Azudu that they would prefer to see on the line. But if McKeithen plays well, like if he plays well against the 49ers, there would be no reason to remove him from that spot. Um, but I clear, I clearly think that they envision Josh Azudu as a multiple versatile guy. That's what he did at, at North Carolina in college. David Deal-like for them. David Deal. Yep. You know, yeah, play all exactly. over the line. And by the way, exactly. you need guys like that. So even if he's not great, if you're good enough at multiple positions on the line, I mean, that's coming a long way. But again, a big pass rush still ahead of them with the 49ers. Before we totally get into the ins and outs of that game, Saquon Barkley, ordinary ankle sprain, obviously differing reports. Look, I know what Dable's doing when he says he's not ready to rule him out for Thursday. It's the cat and mouse. It's classic <laughs> NFL. And I don't want to hear that Saquon's a fast healer. Even if he's come back on the early side of a four to eight week high ankle sprain, he still wasn't the same player off of that. So here's where I'm at with the Saquon injury, Pat. Is it a blow to the Giants? Absolutely. He He's a dynamic playmaker. One of the best running backs in football will be a blow to any team. However, yeah. You invested in Daniel Jones, okay? You invested in adding speed like Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt, of which we saw in the second half. And I know so much of that was play action as well, which Saquon takes into account. This team better be at a point offensively where while the loss of Saquon absolutely hurts, it shouldn't devastate them. And granted, I wasn't expecting to beat the 49ers anyway, and we'll get to that in a second. But if he's got to miss the Seattle game, and if it comes down to the Miami game, those are still really tough games. The reason you lose those games, in my opinion, in this point, if you weren't ready to give Saquon a long-term deal, can't be because Saquon Barkley isn't out there, Pat. That's really well put, Sean, in the context of how they handled the contract and how they valued the player. I I completely agree. I think that you, you hit on the Giants really did a lot of damage with play action. The reason is because the defense fears Barkley when he receives a handoff. 
And I don't know and can't say that play action would work the same way with another player faking that handoff, 49ers or whoever the opponent is. I do think if Wandale Robinson plays in this game, which I've expected to happen, you know, I think he would have played against Arizona if it weren't the short turnaround to San Fran. We'll see. He's still been limited throughout the week. But I think if he plays, I would actually look at a guy like him as somebody who could jump into the rotation along with Matt Breda, Gary Brightwell, Eric Gray. He played some running back at Kentucky. um, And he's a player who, with the ball in his hands immediately with some space, could do some damage. You know, Paris Campbell has been at the mesh point in a lot of practices. And Jalen Hyatt, even on jet sweeps, I think is something to watch for as well. So I think it's going to be a committee that the Giants are going to have to replace him with. And as far as the injury goes, you're, you're absolutely right. I think, I think everybody saw right through that with Brian Dable kind of looking at him with their eyebrows up saying like, are you kidding me you're, that you're even trying this on us right now? Um, I do think Saquon is still closer to being out three games than he's at, than he's closer to like maybe playing against the 49ers. Right. Um, an ordinary sprain just for people who, if they don't understand, it doesn't mean it's not a severe sprain. It just means it's not a high ankle sprain because high ankles can then be even more devastating than a sprain to your ankle in general. Uh, but I was there in the locker room, Sean. Uh, Saquon coming out of the uh, x-ray room, you know, he really had the look of somebody who um, who knew something was wrong, something was bad, and something was going to hinder him. And I do agree with you that, with this, too it's always this Saquon can come back quickly and we know he wants to play, but he has come back from these injuries too quickly multiple times and not been himself. And that's not going to help him trying to get the new contract if he does that. And it's not going to help the giants either. So I think they really need to be careful with how they handle it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And look, this, if the season goes down the tubes because Barkley got hurt, then it wasn't meant to be. And this team just simply wasn't ready to compete. I am intrigued. I don't know if I call it excited. I'm very intrigued on what the offense can look like without him. And oh, by the way, in different coaching staffs and different offenses, I mean, the Giants found ways to run the ball behind even worse offensive lines with Wayne Goldman. So, you know, if you have to change the way you scheme it up and, ch- you know, it just this day and age in the NFL, you can't have a running back sink your season if he gets hurt. It just, that is not the way the NFL is predicated. You have an offensive minded head coach. You got to find a way. You got to well, find a you- way. And to your point, you know, in the second half against the Arizona Cardinals, Daniel Jones looked like the quarterback you paid him to be. Yeah. Right. And the passing game was there. Darren Waller. It was funny. After the game, I did like a uh, live Q&A on YouTube. And one fan said, when's Waller going to have a breakout game? And I said, well, he had a really good game here. I mean, that whole second half when they were, you know, stretching the Cardinals to the outside, they would always kind of come back to Waller up the seam in the middle, uh, off play action, kind of moving to the right, moving to the left. And he had some big chunk gains. I think he had four of his six catches went for first downs. And so he, you started he leads all tight ends and receiving yards through two games in the NFL. Yeah. And he's, and they haven't even scratched the surface right. of what's, what's going to be not to mention. And this, if you're a giants fan, this is what you should be. The, the biggest positive coming out of that game, other than the win and Daniel Jones's play might be that Waller isn't on the injury report this week. You know, that Good was point. a big concern early season going into week two. He didn't even have a full practice before the Cardinals game. And now he's not even on the injury report now, you know, knock on wood. But if he's healthy, 
and Hyatt's playing like this and they're giving him more snaps and Daniel Jones has some confidence. And frankly, you know, the fact that he came out of the Cowboys game and played healthy and physically and strong, you know, I, uh, I was concerned about his recovery as well. So those are all real positives. And to, to, to your point, reasons why the offense should not lose its explosiveness just because of a running back being out. And now we spin ahead to the 49er game here on Thursday night football, obviously a short week also for the 49ers who did give up 20 points to the Rams after killing the Steelers in week one. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think you make the case or you can make the case while we've all talked about how weak the NFC is, which is part of the reason you could believe in the giants to make the playoffs again. If you took the chiefs out of it, who remember didn't have Chris Jones or Travis Kelsey in that opener when they lost to the lions. I think outside of the Chiefs, the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers actually might be the next three best teams in football. It's just such a separation in the NFC from those three to this. So, you, look, you're playing one of the four or five best teams in football here. Yeah, Their major strength, or one of their major strengths, is up front on the defensive front, which is going against a considerable weakness for the New York Giants. We could get to the Giants' defense in a second and how Kyle Shanahan is so good at these chess matches and the Giants' defense, clearly something is broken there, but... My fear here, Pat, if you want to believe that this game is competitive, is that it does look a lot like the early goings of the Cowboy game where they just they cannot function at all offensively because they can't protect the Daniel Jones has half a second to get rid of the ball. Do you think there is any scheme, any way to avoid this for the Giants to have this offense at least be able to function? Well, unfortunately, as much as we just talked about how they should push the ball down the field because they have these weapons and they show they could do it, the way to handle the pass rush of the Niners is to run the ball. And so it's to do it creatively. One issue I saw in the Cowboys game was that a lot of the creative runs, the ways that they were using Daniel Jones, um, you know, whether it looks like an option, quarterback sweeps, uh, misdirections, RPOs, that's all on tape from last year now. And you saw the Cowboys blew up a couple plays that they clearly had studied on the tape from last season and saw coming. So, It doesn't just take a running game. It's going to take Brian Dable and Mike Kafka being in the lab and figuring out ways to catch the 49ers off guard in the running game as well. But, Sean, it really comes down to, to the situation of the game. So starting fast is such an old cliche and something the Giants have said all week that they haven't done yet. But this is just a game you can't fall behind in. Uh, You know, if the 49ers take an early lead, everything flows towards how they want to run the game and operate the Giants have to throw the ball and the pass rush, you know, gets off the line. And they're not – it's impossible to say that Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave are not going to wreak havoc if that happens. So it's not just about running the ball to kind of keep them at bay. It's also about finding a way to score early. Now, does that mean onsides kick to start the game, that kind of desperation – I wouldn't say that, you know, you don't want a repeat of what happened in Philly in the playoffs, where it's kind of like, let's go for this fourth down at midfield. And suddenly the game's over in the first quarter and it's 14, nothing. Uh, but I, I think that 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 kind of thought process of how do we get an edge early so that we're in it and the Niners can't just pin their ears back. That's certainly a way to handle it. Yeah, I think you're going to see some kind of deep shot, even if you're open for pass interference to high it early. I think you're going to, they're going to try to throw it up on that first drive and just hope that they've softened everything with the Niners. Early. Now, whether that works or not, I don't know. That's kind of where I think this might go. Now, quickly, defensively, Pat, 
they were utter mess until basically halfway through the third quarter. Felt like a lot of miscommunication. I kind of think they're doing a Dorian injustice playing him at the nickel slot right now. I think he's he's not the same player he is on the outside. You're almost hurting yourself with your top corner by doing that. Yeah. Um, even Xavier McKinney is, you know, he played better in the Cowboy game than he did in this game. He had Josh Dobbs run over him. Oddly enough, it feels like right now Jason Pinnock is their best player on defense, which was an open camp battle coming into the year. Uh, Dexter Lawrence has been fine. I would want more from Leonard Williams. Obviously, Thibodeau's been a talking point, but he's going to go against Trent Williams most of this game as well. Um, this defense can't go give up 31 points to Brock Purdy and company. And I know Christian McCaffrey is going to be a matchup nightmare if they're attacking Micah McFadden and such. I don't know what the answer is. It feels like a mess. I gave the defense a pass in week one. That was unacceptable garbage in week two, Pat. Yeah, and and let's face it. The Cowboys take out the interception return for a touchdown. Cowboys scored 33 points on the Giants defense. The Cardinals scored 28 points on the Cowboys defense or on the Giants defense. And the uh, the 49ers scored 30 points in each of their first two games against the Steelers and the Rams. It doesn't look good. And I'm glad you brought up the defense because as much as the offense needs to be the talking point for so many reasons, Jones, Barkley, the play calling, Brian Dable, this defense is my biggest concern, Sean. And oh, yeah. it's not be, it's not just because of the points being allowed. And it's not just because of the players you mentioned, all of whom need to step up. It's because I see basic fundamental qualities of a good defense not on the field yet. Good tackling, fundamentally sound, hard to play against, tough at the goal line. And not to question people's toughness, but when you look at Kevontae Turpin's touchdown run at the end of the Dallas game, when you look at Josh Dobbs running through Xavier McKinney at the goal line, now granted he was trying to get the ball because they wanted to force turnovers, but you look at that play, you look at James Connors' touchdown run early in the Cardinals oh. game, no resistance, none. And if I'm a giant right now, if I'm Bobby O'Karake, if I'm Xavier McKinney, if I'm Leonard Williams, all these guys, I am disgusted with what I have put on tape through two games. And I think that it's not just about like, listen, they can lose this game by 10, but as a Giants fan, you want to feel like the Giants belonged on the field for four quarters. Absolutely. And in order to do, yeah. And in order to do that, you need to set a tone on defense. Offense's job is to score points. Defense's job is to set a tone and to tell Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan and the Niners that they're in for a long night if they want a victory. Right. And Right now, as you and I sit here, they have not shown that they will be difficult for the 49ers to handle. Um, you know, Pinnock, I like his resilience. I thought, though, he was picked on by the tight ends in the passing game. Uh, you know, not. I'm not saying, listen, I like Jason a lot, but I actually think, Sean, that they miss Julian Love already. Just from the standpoint of like talking to Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau and Okereke and McKinney this week, they all kept talking about players making sure they do their assignment, take care of their own thing. And Love is not like this supremely incredible player, like top safety, all that. Right. But he is a fundamentally sound guy and also a leader, somebody who keeps people together, keeps everybody on track, focused uh, behind the scenes in the locker room, helped iron out some things. I think they're just missing that guy who puts them on hmm. 
the, 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 the one course and says, this is this week's plan. This is all we have to do. And that's it. Um, and I think somebody has to step up and, and take yeah. hold of that role. Well, they almost have 25% of the team named captain. So somebody better freaking step up. We're going to vote that many captains in. Um, side note, and I love Julian Love. Maybe, and you could absolutely be right on leadership. The only saving grace is right now of all the safeties in the NFL, he's given up the most combined yardage uh, being targeted right now in the NFL. He's off to a rough start in Seattle. But to yeah. your point, I li- I've liked Pinnock because the team has lacked a nasty edge on defense. And at least he's bringing the thump. He's at least, you know, every time he hits somebody, uh, it oh, yeah. comes across. So, you know what I mean? Like that is, there's still value in that, but I understand your point. Um, okay. Yeah. So now we want to play a little fantasy versus reality and kind of give game picks for this game. Uh, you look, if you've listened to the first 22 minutes of this pod, you kind of get the negative tinge that bad both have on what is likely to be the outcome. That being said, it doesn't have to be an abomination. So Pat, I'll start it off here. Uh, if I'm giving a fantasy play, you mentioned him earlier. Look, Darren Waller is is basically cooked through two games here, okay? He's leading all tight ends in uh, yardage, right? You know, and it was only, whatever, 34 yards in game one, 70-some. It's over 100 yards through two games. Uh, I think the Giants are going to keep going back to that sweet spot there. They're going to keep trying to find a way to, to get it to Waller on third downs, especially with Barkley out now. And it wouldn't stun me if the in the least if he found his way to his first touchdown of the season in this game. The reality of the game, though, still comes down to can they not get annihilated defensively? Can they hold Christian McCaffrey to under 100 yards? Because remember, they got killed on the run last year, and that was a big point of emphasis this year in the offseason was how to stop the run game. Well, they're going to face one of the best backs in football, who ironically they did a good job on with Carolina a year ago. It was a much different offense. Uh, I will take my chances with the rookie corners, with Debo and Ayuk, and I'm sure there's going to be bad moments for those guys in this game. Don't let Christian McCaffrey just tear up time of possession and ruin you in this game. And I think it's a big reality point that needs to be said. My pick for this game, it's going to be, I think, a bad one. Okay, I think the Niners are going to drop 34. I think we're going to be questioning the defense. And I think the Giants only muster 16 to 17 points. Give me 34-17. They find their way to two touchdowns. The Niners cover the number. Uh, We're going to be very distraught, very upset Friday. We'll take a deep breath, and we will find a way to be positive again before two weeks from now when they play the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night, Pat. You're absolutely right about the run defense. You know, they've given up five rushing touchdowns through two weeks. That's the second worst in the league. The Houston Texans only team worse with six. They're giving up 4.6 yards per carry. That's eighth worst in the NFL. This is something they were supposed to fix with Okereke and the additions they made on the defensive line to get a rotation going. It's just not there yet. You're right, Jason Pinnock, good on run defense and run blitzes, definitely in a hard hitter. Uh, but I don't think I was I was not confident in the Giants' ability to get to the ball quickly enough, even in Arizona. And I know Kyle Shanahan is excellent at scheming guys open into space. So I see guys like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey receiving the ball on, let's say, the opposite side of the field with Giants defenders chasing him and not even prepared to make a tackle until it's 20 yards downfield. The Giants do typically step up and become this team that never says die and they're resilient and they fight to the end. And these tend to be the games where everyone counts them out, where they put up a fight and in the fourth quarter it's close and everyone who put their money on the 49ers on Monday starts sweating. I do though agree with you that San Francisco covers here. I think 38, 13 49ers is my score. 
I just don't think that Nick Bosa over Evan Neal for four quarters, not to mention Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave over the interior is going to go well for the Giants. I don't think they're going to be able to get to a lot of even what they're able to scheme up offensively. I think Daniel Jones is going to pine for the desert in Arizona. And I think the Giants are going to go home desperately needing a win and a feel-good game against the Seattle Seahawks in week four, probably without Saquon Barkley as well, to feel good about their season. And there you have it, boy. Giants do something they haven't done since 1949. And me and Pat basically just tell you this sucks. Get ready for Thursday night. It's going to feel like a funeral. Uh, Okay, for me. Thursday night, download the BetQL app. I will be chatting it up, giving you my best bets and kind of giving you my game thoughts in real time. It's part of the Odyssey family. The BetQL app, download that. I will be inside of that on Thursday. I will be back with you Friday morning uh, on one giant step. Quick game recap. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to be in a nasty, nasty mood. Hopefully I'm not. Hopefully I'm not. But download and subscribe to One Giant Step everywhere podcasts are available. Pat Leonard. Uh, Pat, where can everybody catch your work? Yeah, so New York Daily News website, uh, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard is on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Also on my YouTube page, at PL on NFL, and we do uh, live post-game Q&As with fans coming out of the locker room. So after the Giants play the 49ers, uh, I know it's going to be late on the East Coast, uh, but we've had a lot of good conversations, and I kind of bring everything I'm seeing in the locker room, talking to Brian Dable and the players, uh, right to the fans after these games. So um you know that's been a lot of fun so far and uh and check it out this week after thursday night football all right thanks to our producer james thanks to all our listeners for taking one giant step with us pat hopefully we'll catch up next week man enjoy san francisco enjoy the flight home all right yeah look forward to it thanks sean all right thank you for everybody for downloading subscribing everywhere podcasts are available and free on the odyssey app let's go big blue